You're listening to the 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. We have one more hymn to talk about with Benjamin Kologi, member of Faith Lutheran Church in Plano, Texas, professional church organist and composer and contributor to the Lutheran service book, Hymnal Companion. Thanks so much for joining us again, Benjamin. Good to be here, Sarah. We have Once in Royal David City, Lutheran Service Book 376, a favorite for lessons and carols, and I'm sure you'll talk about that. So what have to tell us about this wonderful hymn? Sure. Once in Royal David City. I mean, this is this is a classic for lessons and carols. It's great for children to sing, great for adults to sing. But I'd like to start with the author of this hymn, Cecil Ooh. Alexander. And she was born in 1818, and she lived almost until the 19th century. You can see by her dates down there. There really hadn't been a lot of women hymn writers before the 19th century. And we can think of some exceptions, particularly Elizabeth Cruciger, who lived during the Reformation era and wrote The Only Son from Heaven. But by the 19th century, women were really making a contribution to hymnody at large, particularly in the in the more informal genres. So think of Fanny Crosby and Blessed Assurance, or... Charlotte Elliott, who wrote Just As I Am, or even Catherine Winkworth, who wasn't a, a hymn writer herself. She translated many of the German chorales into English, and she's well represented in a Lutheran service book. So we have this addition to women, from women now. So Cecil Alexander was born in Ireland, and she lived there most of her life. She married, actually, the Bishop of Armagh, and she wrote 400 hymns in a half dozen collections. And one of her most beloved hymns is All Things Bright and Beautiful, which, of course, is not an LSB. But Alexander always had a concern for children. She was particularly interested that they were could be taught the faith in a manner that they could understand and that they had their own devotional resources that they could use. And so this hymn, Once a Royal David City, appears in her, it's a collection called Hymns for Little Children of 1848. Once a royal David city stood a lowly cattle shed, where a mother laid her baby in a manger for his bed. Mary was that mother mild, Jesus Christ, her little child. Now this curious little hymnal, the hymns for little children, is structured catechetically. So she composed these hymns to be based on baptism, creed, the commandments, and prayer. The majority of the hymnal, as you might expect, is structured around the elements of the creed. And this hymn is found under the section entitled, Who Was Conceived by the Holy Ghost, Born of the Virgin Mary. So the emphasis of this hymn is Christmas, but only in a roundabout sort of way, because that's how she gets to it from that part of creed. So it's mainly a Christmas hymn teaching about Christmas. Its language is clear, it's lucid, and it's unencumbered with theological terms, which of course we know theological terms are necessary, but not necessarily in every hymn. But I would point out, <laughs> one, of the hymn, one of my favorite verses is not in the hymnal, and, and, and you can probably see why. It's very problematic, but th- this, this one's omitted. It goes like this. And through all his wondrous childhood, he would honor and obey, love and watch the lowly maiden in whose gentle arms he lay. Christian children all must be mild, obedient, good as he. 
So you can really deconstruct this verse in terms of its rather questionable theology. Jesus is our savior, not simply an example. But it kind of tells us where she was. Go- this was a, a hymn for children to teach them how to live their life, how to obey their parents. It was a Victorian sense, and we can argue about that, but it's important to know what the hymn was. And sometimes the way children behave, maybe it's not a bad reminder on occasion. <laughs> but in, in modern terms, this stanza is very antiquated. But consider it in the, sta- in the context of stanza three. For he is our childhood's pattern. Day by day, like us, he grew. He was weak and helpless, tears and smiles like us he And he feels for all our sadness, and he shares in all our gladness. And now, I, I would say there is certainly a lot of Victorian conservatism in this entire hymn. But I still think the goal is to become more Christ-like, emulating Christ's example. Um, she's not going to encourage children to find or express themselves or develop their individuality outside of their parents thoughts which are prevalent today it's a very older set mindset but consider the in england the victorian era from the 40s to about 1900 this ushered in an age really in which attention was actually paid to childhood children were no longer just little adults who could be exploited at the farm or in the factories as soon as they were large enough or not even large enough but this great increase in Charles' child labor brought about by the Industrial Revolution was really critiqued by activists, some philosophers, and think of Charles Dickens mm-hmm. and his novels in, in which he satirizes in order to, to change practices. Um, and it wasn't until really 1833 that children under nine, they, they, uh, you couldn't employ them in factories and they were required to be in school for at least two hours a day, which is really quite awful, but at least was an improvement. So for us moderns, this seems like too little, too late, but this really was a change in philosophy. And and, um, compulsory education in Britain started the 1870s or thereabout. So childhood became a recognized part of the growth process. And and. To to combat some of these woes in her own way, Cecil Alexander donated the proceeds from her hymnal to a school for deaf and mute children in Ireland. So her hymnal, and this hymn in particular, represents a means to teach children something important about their faith in a language they can understand. It's, it's simple, but I don't think it's simplistic. As We have some modern children's songs that can be fun, but they can tend to lack a bit of substance. And this hymn contains some substance. And so consider the eschatology in the last stanza. And our eyes at last shall see him through his own redeeming love. For that child so dear and gentle is our Lord in heaven above. And he leads his children on to the place where he has gone. So this is not just some children's ditty, although it has elements of that, right? I mean, we're talking about the end times, Christ is leading us to an eternity with him. It's a reference to Christ's redemption and our salvation. And Alexander takes us further away from the manger and into our heaven, and into heaven when she says, not in that poor lowly stable, with the oxen standing by, shall we see him, but in heaven, 
set at God's right hand on high. Then like stars, his children crowned, all in white, his praise will sound. So our Christmas season really ultimately isn't about a baby's birth, but it's about this salvation effected by Christ and his death and resurrection. And so this hymn, it may be accused of being romanticized a bit, but it does take us to Christ as the Savior. It points to him and this new heaven and a new earth. And of course, this hymn is so important for the Festival of Lessons and Carols, which is King's College offers on Christmas Eve. And it's tradition, of course, and when, when I do this for Lessons and Carols, I always have a child sing the first stanza by themselves. In the King's College tradition, it's always a boy chorister. And I understand the way it works, that all of the boys are prepared to sing verse one, but the, pers- the soloist is not chosen until right before the, serv- the service so that no one is unduly nervous. So this is such a great Christmas hymn, but it's creedal. And what's, let's keep in mind when we sing it, the creedal elements, how it points to Christ and his birth. Beautiful hymn and just great insights. This is, again, one of my favorite Christmas hymns. <laughs> Thank you so much, Benjamin, for helping us unpack these beautiful Christmas hymns and learn so much more about what they teach us and what we can carry in our heart when we sing them. Thanks so much for being our guest. You're welcome. Thank you. You're listening to The 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. 